nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Where's that Jasper? There he is, right on the front row, ready to go. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. God, indeed, God is faithful. Just a quick announcement. Homeless ministry this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. WMU Women's Tea Saturday at 11 a.m. And Parking lot sale slash craft sale on April 1st, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And once again, Annie Armstrong offering, our goal is 9,000, and currently we have reached 5,776. And we praise God for that. And to our guests, if this is your first time, we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card. And welcome to Tulsa Mountain Baptist Church. Shall we pray? Father, we commit to you our service this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for your sustaining grace. We praise you for all the blessing and for all the testing that strengthens our faith and our relationship with you. And we ask, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us and empower us, Lord, as we ponder upon your word. Help us to be doers of your word, not just hearers only. And we know that it's only by your grace that we're asking for it, Lord. We're asking that you will help us to be the person that you want us to be. And we commit this thing to your name, in Christ's precious name, amen. 
Amen. Our theme this morning is dependence upon God, and because of that, uh, Raina's coming up on the stage for some reason. We'll, we'll find out why. Okay, not quite the introduction um, I thought I was going to get, but good morning, everybody. Um, I came up here to talk about VBS. We're doing it this summer. Yay. Can't wait. Um, we have a couple of sign-up sheets in the back, and there are still places. We'd love to have you if you're even a little bit interested. We're going to have a volunteer meeting this coming Sunday right after church. Uh, I know originally it was for this today, but I apologize for the inconvenience. We're going to go ahead and schedule it, push it back one week. Um, Jasper mentioned the craft and yard sale on April 1st. The proceeds from that are going to go help go to help fund VBS. Uh, so go ahead and uh, love to see you come on out and show your support there. Um, let me just check my notes, see if I missed anything, because it's very possible. Okay, so VBS is actually going to be in the night at night this uh, this year, uh, from six to eight, the week of June sixth. So we're hoping to get more more kids, more parents, more volunteers, just a bigger VBS than we've ever had because it's so much fun. Uh, and I guess that's all I have. Thank you so much. Hope to see you next Sunday. That was that was all. Okay, all right, all right. Um, my turn. Here we go. All right. Uh, so, our theme this morning is dependence upon God. Still, and um, so we're reminding ourselves that God is Almighty. He's on His throne. He's in control of all things in this universe, in this world, and don't forget in our lives. Right. So we're going to uh, worship the Lord as we uh, rejoice in our dependence upon him and his ability to provide and protect and guide and, and uh, teach us as his children to honor him in this world. We're going to start with this scripture that reminds us to be dependent upon the Lord in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You probably all know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Amen. All right. Now, thinking about how we are dependent upon Jesus, upon the Lord in our lives, somehow that page keeps going to the next one. I don't know how that happens. We're going to sing, I must tell Jesus, because we need to pray when we have our needs, right? We trust in the Lord and ask him for his blessings. Tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. Amen. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, be all my cares and Sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot. 
say amen to that? Amen. I thought so. Amen. <laughs> All right. Continuing with our theme of dependence upon the Lord, we're going to sing this song, In Christ Alone My Hope is Found. In Christ alone my hope is
no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. I tell you, I could sing that song every day. And it wouldn't hurt me a bit, would it? Nope. Amen. I'll sing it with you. All right. All right, our team has been reminded of our dependence upon the Lord this morning because we have had some trouble with this special music we're trying to get, tried to get ready for you. But it's a beautiful song about how much we need the Lord, how dependent we are upon the Lord. And pray for us as we sing it that it may bring you encouragement and glory to God. Lord, I need you. We sure do. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing Free. 
Are we up yet? There we go. <coughs> Last week, uh, a person came to me with some, I believe, heartfelt concerns in regard to what I was preaching on last week. Because of that, uh, I have a written statement, and I'm going to be leaning very heavily on my notes today so that there's no misunderstandings. Um, but I want to remind you folks of some things. Anything, anytime possible change is presented that will affect the status quo, especially to a large group, it always causes concern because change is hard and often scary. My statements were never meant as any disrespect to the traditional church. All of our roots or in what takes place today come from the traditional church. It was also not meant as any disrespect to Pastor Jay on the way our church was functioning prior to his going home. As a matter of fact, most of the things that are being presented were actually from the same information he and I learned from various church growth conferences from 20 plus years ago. Pastor and I, along with the leadership, deacons, trustees at that time, attempted to launch some of these changes then. However, it was decided by consensus that all the leaders, by all the leaders of the church body, <coughs> that, the, that the church was then not ready for those changes, all those type of changes. However, some of those things implemented did stick and are still being utilized today. My thought process and belief is that perhaps because of the current situation, now would be an opportune time to present and put on the table what could be some possible changes to define our direction as a unique church in our community. As I stated many times, these things are, many of these things have already started and I have simply, simply been witnessing them unfold more and more every day. I would like to assure everyone that I would never intentionally undermine what Dr. J accomplished here over the course of his years. Nor will I ever intentionally lead this body of believers away from the complete teaching of God's word. There will be no smoke, mirrors, fog machines, or watered-down doctrine. God's word will be taught in its entirety as long as I have anything to say about it. 
My statements were about my statements were about some of what I view as possible changes that could enhance our opportunities to reach out to our community and continue building up this body of Christ. I cannot accept any credit for what has been taking place in our forward movement since COVID. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of each one of you and this church family that we have been continuing to grow spiritually and numerically. In no way do I think that you as Christ's body are not important. You are his church, and I know that because I'm also a part of it. I will always teach and preach the full word of God. Sin and hell are both real, and salvation and heaven are available to those who accept Christ as their personal Savior. I have discussed this series further with the deacons and trustees, and have confirmed that I, they have confirmed that I should continue. Therefore, I ask for your patience in allowing me to present all of the material before any further judgment is passed. Now, I do say I'm going to be leaning very, very heavily on my notes, so most of it's being read today. There, I don't know where that guy came from last week, but he talked way too much. <laughs> <coughs> and my voice is not strong today anyway. My, this wind is taking me out. I believe that our church must face some demographic realities. I have on my desk right now 67 pages of demographic information that I have polled last week. There are some things that are amazing to me. Due to our sheer numbers, boomers have set the agenda for church over the last 20 years. Now the millennials outnumber us, the boomers. So who's going to set the agenda for the next 20 years? I believe that in order to evangelize our community, we must learn to reach out to all generations. Each generation is unique in terms of their attitudes, values, lifestyles, and outlook on life. There are significant cultural differences between all these generations. Boomers were said to be be the wealthiest and best education. Rolling Stone magazine pointed out they were the first generation to experience life from infancy to adulthood in the presence of television. It linked our generation together and was a major influence on us. Today, millennials are the next generation brought up and the first generation brought up with computers. It's going to take a new and different mindset to intentionally design programs and ministries to meet their needs and their interests. There was a study done by Hartford, not Harvard, and not Hartford Insurance, Hartford Seminary, (laughs) called The Big Chill is Warming Up. To worship, they surveyed 11,000 boomers and found 9% increase in church attendance over those past 20 years. But listen to the two primary reasons. The renewed interest was the change in family status and the nation's increasing turbulent political climate. Other factors of interest and increasing interest in the gospel included, unfortunately, more interest in the supernatural, new age movement, the paranormal, and the occults, possibly caused by higher divorce rates and the dissolution of materialism and skepticism of our government today. Jesus said, so what kind of church is really going to appeal, if you would, to those that are outside the church today? 
Jesus said in Matthew 9, 17, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. What does that mean? It means Jesus brings a newness that cannot be confined to old forms. Now, I want you to stick with me and, and just stay with me for 12 weeks. Let me get everything on the table before you continue passing any further judgment. I do ask for that. No one's twisting an arm to make these changes. But these are potential, possible changes that could be made and not, we're not going to make every single one of them. There is no way. I understand that. I'm not that naive or stupid. Everyone who is saved and involved in a church should be able to feel like it's their church. That's what we want. That's what we're looking for, regardless of age or generation. The wineskin principle has both organizational and generational implications. God shapes each new generation each new generation, <coughs> excuse me, for the society and culture in which it lives. Today, possibly more than ever, there's a greater need to use culturally appropriate forms to reach and minister to those generations. They have a real investment in their church, and they are an active part of their church. Churches across the globe have come to realize they need to be more intentional in the way they minister and work within their bodies. This understanding cuts across all denominational lines. These pastors and churches have more in common than just denomination or doctrinal values. It is the common philosophy of ministry based on the objectives of reaching their local communities. These churches are using significantly different approaches and strategies. It does not mean they are necessarily diminishing God's word or watering down the gospel. There are three primary areas that we're looking at today. They all use a more contemporary approach to ministry, evangelism, and organization. Now, I want to say something off this for a second. Contemporary is not a dirty word. You guys have contemporary cars, you have contemporary clothes, you have contemporary stuff in your home. So, bear with me. 35 years ago, now get this, 35 years ago, Lyle Shaler, a noted church growth consultant, wrote the expectations of people in the church change from decade to decade. These expectations influence the definition and direction and functions of the church. In his book, Hey, That's My Church, he lists many characteristics, many of those we're going to look at today, not all of those. As I said, Dr. J and I, for about two, two and a half years, we were reading about church growth, we were learning about church growth, we were going to church growth conferences, and, and, and we put in a lot of time, energy, and effort to understand church growth, not just from a, a, a facility standpoint or a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. And many of these things that we're looking at are things that we looked at 20 years ago, all right? Or 20 plus years ago, actually. I doubt that there's any single church that can incorporate every characteristic but I do believe there is ample evidence that more of these characteristics the church incorporates, the faster the church will grow spiritually and numerically. It was said of the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32 that they understood the times and they knew what to do. I believe it's time that we do that. Now, any of you familiar with the Fast and Furious movie franchise? Yeah, this is how this is going to be. 
this morning, fast and furious. Take the notes that you need as quickly as possible. Watch the screen, but be listening for the words. I will give you the number and I will give you the fill-in. And then we're going to read a brief statement. You have about a third of what I have in my notes. So you've got a lot of stuff, but I want you to listen to the other things I'm saying as you're reading along. So the 21st century churches, we're going to talk about ministry first. The 21st century churches offer multiple options, multiple options in programs and ministries. Now what does that mean? Our culture today provides an almost unlimited number of choices in every area of life. Whether it's TVs, magazines, fast food restaurants, or recreational events. Think about it. You have a TV remote in your hand. If you get bored with what you're watching, you push the button and there's something else there. All right? It was mentioned yesterday in Men's Prayer Breakfast that we live in a fast food society. We do, unfortunately, a microwave society. <clears throat> the grocery store is another one. The grocery store shocked me. I didn't realize this. 20 years ago, there was only about 9,000 items offered in a grocery store. Today, there's more than 39,500 items offered in the grocery store. That blew my mind. Yet, many churches today are still offering a single program or the same type of programs they offered 40 and 50 and 60 years ago. We shouldn't expect any single program or ministry to meet everyone's needs or appeal to everyone's interest. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 7 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activity, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's all for the common good. Number two, 21st century churches have a high degree of self-identity. Self-identity. Listen, they have a clearly defined purpose and statement, and the body collectively understands and knows why they exist. The church's primary purpose and where they are headed is out there in front of the people all the time. They continually communicate these, those purposes in a variety of ways to their members and attenders. There's no doubt about the direction that that church intends to go. Number three, the 21st century churches develop networks of small groups. We are doing that, and we're doing that in a, in a very well perspective, I believe. Could it be done possibly better? Maybe. I don't know. But you know what? We're doing it. <clears throat> Many people are looking for those close personal relationships Intimacy is a key value for those particular groups. Small groups are designed for a variety of reasons and functions. It may be Bible studies, personal growth, ministry, worship, pastoral care, evangelism, special needs, or specific task. Beneath all these functions is the deeper purpose of providing and developing close fellowship between all its members. Listen, we can grow bigger on the outside by growing smaller on the inside. The more those connect groups we have, the more we can grow larger because it'll draw people into those small groups where sometimes you can't get them in the church door to start with. Number four, 21st century churches are oriented and look forward to the future. 
Rather than basking in yesterday's victory or reviewing, reviewing their own history, they now want to make history. Do you guys want to make history? Amen. We'll see. The phrase is, we've done it that way, bef- we've never done it that way before, or we've always done it this way before, are rarely used. Because they're always looking to the future and how to do it. God's way, God's will, to work better. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Philippians 3.13, the second part, says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Listen, there is a fields that are ripe for harvest, but we've got to do something about it if we want to have anything to do with harvesting those fields. Number five, 21st century churches are creative and flexible in their programming. They program to best meet the needs of their own congregations and surrounding communities. The question becomes, is this the most effective way to minister today? That's the real question. Programs should only be used as long as they're useful. I don't think there should be any sacred programs. We should be willing to discard any program when it ceases to be productive. Unfortunately, some churches insist on maintaining the status quo that was determined by past culture and history. All of these things should, of course, be based on biblical theology, but people value innovation and a variety, and they're attracted to churches that embody those same Christian ideals and values. (coughs) Number six, 21st century churches strive for excellence in worship and study. Televisions, computers, and cell phones have set a new standard for communicating. Media entertainment has raised the expectation level of many people so high that churches often look mediocre by comparison. Today, people will no longer tolerate poorly planned worship services, poorly prepared Sunday school teachers, and I believe the fast pace of television programming has dramatically shortened the attention span of the public population. Our church should offer well-planned, well-executed worship services that involves the people as participants as much as possible. (coughs) The goal should be to improve some facet of our services each and every week. And I'm not just talking about Sunday service. I'm talking about service where we, outside, we serve the community. Any service that we do for the community, I think we should be working to try to strive to make it better. Number seven. 21st century churches recognize the necessity of a single adult ministry. Now, the demographics I pulled up on this just boggle my mind. A 1984 population survey revealed that there were then about 35 million boomers that were single. They never married. They're either never married, were separated, widowed, or divorced. Today, that number has swelled to over 128 million single adults, which is nearly half the world's population. In a five-mile target area of this church, we're the bullseye. Five-mile radius in any direction. 78% of the home populations are occupied by single adults. That's what the statistics say at the end of 2022. 
So a church cannot and will not effectively minister to its community without a single adult ministry. Number eight, 21st century churches offer quality children's ministry. Now hear me again, and we're back to demographics. Demographics have discovered that many couples have delayed getting married and having families. Now, the generations that are behind us, this is becoming more prominent in each generation that comes along behind us. The number of mothers giving birth to their first child after their 21st birthday has more than doubled since 1970. This represents a significant postponement in the birth of the first child. And when that child finally is born, the parents are very protective of the environment that they place that child in. So much so that they want quality children's ministry programs. Time Magazine stated it bluntly, today's parents are almost obsessive about their children. In other words, they demand quality facilities and care for their children when they bring them to church. Matthew 19, 14, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 18, 6 also states, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. We need better children's and babies' facilities and youth. Nine, 21st century churches mobilize the body for ministry. We are doing that. We need to emphasize the ministry of every believer and encourage our members to discover, develop, and use their spiritual gifts. There should be a high percentage of involvement by members in ministry that doesn't necessarily translate into traditional roles like Sunday school teachers, singers, musicians, and etc. Involvement and participation are the key values. We need to further develop our in-house training programs designed to equip people for ministry. Number 10, 21st century churches equip their members to do personal Bible study. We may have one of the most education countries in the world, and we have been trained to ask the questions of why and how. Because of that, there's a natural desire to answer those spiritual questions for ourselves rather than just simply accept the word of any authority figure. And I understand that. We would rather discover truths for ourselves. Fortunately, there are more practical Bible study tools today than ever before. So churches are teaching their members how to study the Bible for themselves using the same tools that pastors were taught to use in seminary. 11. 21st century churches emphasize stewardship education. Stewardship education. Rather than stewardship promotion. I told you last week, by far the greatest complaint the unchurched and the church have is churches' appeals for money. And I don't know how we're going to do that because we've got some major things that we're going to have to do here pretty soon and, and they cost thousands upon thousands of dollars. But these 21st century churches, anything that smacks of fundraising typically turns the unchurched off and turns some of the church people off. Things that worked a generation ago to raise money do not work as well today. In contrast, a simple biblical presentation on stewardship and tithing are generally well received. If we can help people understand their finances and their fiscal responsibility, those things are much better received. 
We need to teach people to give because they ought to want to give, not because the church needs the money. 12. 21st century churches often provide daycare or after-school care. Daycare. Provide daycare or after-school care for children. Today, most couples, and this is a sad fact, today most couples need two incomes just to make ends meet. More than half of the mothers with children under six are now in the workforce. Such churches may have... So churches may have both a high percentage of single-parent families and two-parent families where both parents work. So the daycare ministry is vitally needed and very popular with those individuals and families. 13. 21st century churches are open to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There's a willingness to see God's Spirit work in miraculous ways through prayer and believing the answer to those prayers. Prayer is taken very seriously in those churches, and prayer for specifics has key emphasis, especially in their small groups. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now that encompasses ministry. But that verse I just read encompasses the last part of ministry, but also the first part of evangelism. So different approaches in evangelism are this. 21st century churches have clearly defined evangelistic targets. Now I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm telling you about this particular point. Realizing that no church can appeal to everybody, they don't try to. They specialize in reaching specific segments of their society because it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Often these churches will have a profile of a typical unchurched person in their geographical area that they're trying to reach. They use local demographics in determining who they can best reach. Okay? Because we're going to go back to that one later on in a few weeks. 15. 21st century churches work at making the church either more timely or timelier. You can put down whichever word you want. These churches pay more attention to conveniences such as additional parking, multiple services, extra clean restrooms, well-equipped nurseries and children's and youth facilities. The goal of these churches, I want you to listen very carefully, is to remove as many barriers as possible so that the unchurched have no excuse for not attending. You with me? A hundred years ago, the rural farming communities used to set the times in regard to worship services in their local communities because of work schedules. Today, churches usually offer earlier services on Sunday, realizing that most of the unchurched don't want to break up their Sunday schedules with a service that gets out afternoon. Some churches are even offering Saturday evening services. And we've talked about that with the leadership a little bit. <clears throat> 16. 21st century churches create a more casual and informal atmosphere. Everything is engineered to make guests and members feel at home. After all, this place is to be our sanctuary, a place of security, calm, and rest. Many people today have a clear preference of casual and informal over the formal. To many adults today, a relaxed atmosphere implies genuineness and friendliness. 17. A 21st century church's focus on solving the here and now problems. What I mean by that is they place greater inferences 
um, emphasis on the difference Christ can make in people's lives today than they do on, and the rewards of heaven than they do on the punishment of hell. That does not Back up. One, two, there we go. All right. Uh, churches focus on solving the here and now problems. They place greater emphasis on the difference Christ can make in their life. Television has conditioned people to expect quick, simple solutions to their problems. When they attend church, they want to hear messages that get to the point and provides practical action steps. They're actually interested in personal self-improvement. Now, if personal self-improvement, if we can direct them to Christ, that's okay with me. Uh, 18, 21st century churches promote active involvement in global missions. Rather than limiting mission awareness to a study or an annual emphasis, churches involve their members directly in missions through short-term projects. There is greater global consciousness and more direct exposure to foreign mission fields. Those who have been overseas as students, tourists, or business people are more likely to get involved as mission volunteers. Today, many, many people are fed up with materialism and they're looking for a deeper purpose and a greater challenge to live for. Those are the ones that want to be more involved in worldwide missions. Isaiah 6, 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. 19, 21st century churches draw from relationships rather than geographic proximity to their physical buildings. Now, what do I mean by that? Urban and suburban dwellers are accustomed to driving considerable distances for various personal services. If you have, instead of choosing a doctor that's closest to you, you may choose a doctor that is highly recommended or is more personal to you or you believe is taking care of your personal needs better. Many people will drive past dozens of churches today in order to attend church where they feel their needs are being met or they're being fed. 20, 21st century churches tend to use more contemporary styles of music. This is one of the most obvious differences. Many people today aren't always, don't always identify with the words of the music written prior to 1950, much less those of the 18th century. So churches have replaced the organ and baby grand piano with electric guitars, electric pianos, synthesizers, drums. The worship team songs are generally characterized by joy and warmth and expression of genuine happiness. Many of those songs are being sung directly to God rather than just about God. 21. 21st century churches are more practical, positive, and personal preaching. They have more practical, positive, and personal preaching. The preacher shares in a manner of personal witness rather than histrionics of an orator. Most people are much more at ease and open to listen by non-threatening personalities that use some everyday humor. Sermons enclose, include emphasis on personal application of biblical principles for everyday life. The focus is to help people become doers of the word and not hearers only. The messages often deal with what God has to say about their personal issues in life, like stress, family, finances, relationships, emotional and physical health, careers, and 
raising a family, raising children, revealing how the Bible answers those questions, and all pointing to the need of a Savior for the new spiritual life. Scripture tells pastors and teachers this in Acts 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 22. 21st century churches use the power of mass media in attracting attenders. They use radio, television, advertising, websites, Facebook, and all other forms of communication that are common today. In areas where a stranger at the door can be frightening or frustrating, these methods have replaced much of the door-to-door visitation. They use computers and synthesizers in their music ministry and digital, digital displays for teaching tools. Many churches have DVD or streaming ministries today. Sermons and Bible studies are recorded to be duplicated and distributed as needed later. The media is also an important part of the education ministry. The underlying theme in all of these is a willingness to use whatever methods work best without compromising the message of God or the integrity of his church. 23. We're almost done, I promise. Different approaches to the organization of the church. This is the one I figure I'm going to get beat up on the worst. 21st century churches operate with a simple structure. Many people are turned off by what they call organized religion today. The pre-World War II generation liked committees to solve problems. People today think the committees are the problem. They're tired and impatient with bureaucracies and red tape and anything that requires a lot of political or physical maneuvering. 21st century churches operate without a lot of committees and boards or councils. They have a simpler structure with less time spent on meetings about the business of the church and maintaining the church and the organization of the church and more time spent on actually doing ministry and missions. 24, the 21st century churches are organized more like a family than a corporation. They operate more on the basis of relationships and trust and leadership and each other than in rules, regulations, and policies. They take seriously the concept of the church as a body It's an organism, not an organization. Most decisions are rarely made in formalized approaches like voting. Instead, the primary leaders act by general consensus of the overall, for the overall good of that body. 25, 21st century churches, pastors lead by their vision and example rather than any power of their position. Most people will gravitate towards genuineness, competence, and personal integrity. They're willingly follow a leader who they believe has their best interest at heart and knows the direction of where they are going. A leader doesn't have to be perfect, but he does have to be transparent. Most people will reject ineptness, indecision, and hypocrisy. Title and position do not guarantee a following. Character is the key. Most people will follow a leader who can communicate a clear vision and has a strong sense of biblical purpose. Almost 30 years ago, there was an article in Rolling Stone magazine based on a national survey that said, above all else, what this generation seems to yearn for the most is that which it has lost, moral leadership. 1 Peter 5.3 says, not domineering over those in your charge, but by being examples to the flock. 26. 21st century churches often allow attenders to get involved in ministry even before they become official members. 
There is a resistance to joining things today. Time Magazine also said this generation has avoided or postponed their commitment to others. When it comes to the local church, many are often reluctant to make a commitment to officially join the membership, even though they will actively participate and support the church with their attendance, service, and their giving. We often need to convince them of the benefits of membership by offering multiple information classes that emphasize these benefits of being a member. I need to say something offline or off track about that. There are many, many people that come and sit down and talk to me personally several times before they'll ever walk that aisle and come up front because they want to understand really what they're committing to. So I don't think there's any problem with allowing those people that if they're willing to be faithful and serve and do certain things, now we can't put them in positions of leadership, I understand that. But I think we can allow them to participate at some level so that they believe that they are a part of this body of believers. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 27, and the last one, and I'm out of here. 21st century churches recognize the limited amount of discretionary time that their members have. I told you a moment ago that 78% of the homes were occupied by single people in our area. The statistics showed on those demographics that I just looked at, 73% of that was women. Women living by themselves. 70% of women in the workforce today, because both husbands and wives are working, couples may have little or limited free time. The pressure of maintaining two careers places a great deal of stress and time demands on them. It is, should not be expected that members be out every night of the week for church activities, or is it to be expected everybody to attend every function. Members are allowed to pick and choose activities that best meet their particular needs without feeling guilty if they don't attend everything. The church also realizes that the growing number of working wives and women reduces the number of women who can volunteer for church work during the day. We need to recognize that any volunteer shortage cannot simply be blamed on some type of lack of commitment. Daniel 2.20-22 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells within him. Chuck Kraft, in his book, Christianity and Culture, said this. Established Christianity is often feared to alter the forms, least in doing so the content would be lost. But by so doing, however, it is unwittingly assured the content will largely be lost. Because of the dynamic of Christianity is not in the sacredness of cultural forms, even those that God once used, it is in the adventures of participating with God and the transformation of the contemporary cultural forms to serve more adequately as vehicles for God's interaction with human beings. I believe we should want to be willing to step out in faith, to risk trying some new things, especially approaches in ministry, evangelism, and organization organization. 
Let's pray. Father, I know that many of the things about change are often scary. I know that it puts people at ill ease sometimes because they think we're going to, as a church body, stray away from your word or, or maybe become a completely different type of church. And Father, we may. I don't know. All I'm doing is presenting some possibilities. And Lord, I pray that as we look at these things and we understand these things, many of these things are, are already taking place. It's, like I said earlier, it's, it's in the things that we've seen and the things that have been changing. But Lord, you are the one that changes the times and the seasons. And Father, we love you and we praise you for that. Father, we understand that whatever we do, you are the foundation. And you are the one that draws us to you. The Holy Spirit working in each one of us and the Holy Spirit working in those that don't know you yet. Father, we pray that you would continue to direct our lives and move our lives in a way that honors you and glorifies you, not us individually or corporately, but you. Now, Father, if there's anyone here today that this is a different kind of message, and I know there's, there's a, a lot of information that's there. But if there's anyone here that knows in their heart of hearts and their mind that they need you as their Savior, and they believe that now is the time to do that, we encourage them to do that today. If there's anyone that needs help understanding about baptism or would like to be baptized, which is that first major act of obedience as they come to know you and, and allow you into their life more and more each and every day. The song that we sang, we need you every hour. Lord, some of us need you every moment, every minute of every day. If there's anyone here that needs to do that today, I pray that you would nudge them and allow them to come forward and commit to you today. And Father, if there's anyone here that would just like to become a member of this body of believers and part of this congregation, that you would inspire them to come forward and let us know that and share, let us share that with this congregation today. And Father, we simply love you and we praise you and we ask that you would work within each one of our lives to continue drawing us closer to you and help perfect us in our walk with you to become more Christ-like in all we say, all we think, and all we do. And we simply ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can and would, stand, please. Come to Jesus, I surrender all to Him.
Thank you for coming today. I know it was a little bit different message. I, I hope it didn't bore you too much and gave you some ideas to think about. Listen, Joyce is going to be leaving us. She is moving to Green Valley. This is her last Sunday. Can we vote so, on that? Uh, no. <laughs> She's the only one that gets to vote on that. Uh, we need you, if you would, to come by and just wish her well and give her a hug or a handshake, whatever you're most comfortable with, and let her know you're going to miss her. Thank you for coming today. And CMA is going to have an event next Sunday. Bring your bike to church day. And yes. they'll be out here in the parking lot. And if you want to bring your bike, they won't allow me to bring my tricycle. They said I couldn't keep up with them. Uh, but if you want to bring your bike and ride with them, they're also going to go to lunch right after service. So you guys, you guys that ride bikes, uh, I sold mine. And uh, I don't want to borrow one. So thank you anyway. All right. We'll also be blessing motorcycles or oh. anything out there, whatever you guys want. Um, our chapter will be here tomorrow, um, next week for our service. Thanks, guys. All right. As we get ready to go, say amen to Lynn for that uh, encouraging message to uh, develop our church and reach the lost to serve the Lord. And as we do that, we'll do it in the name of the Lord and being dependent upon the Lord, right? Amen. Amen. Let's sing and strengthen the name of the Lord. Life is sore, I fly away.